This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Rats. In Chicago, they are everywhere. Alleys, streets, backyards, in people's homes. A female rat can start having babies several months after birth and can have up to 50 babies a year. So the population grows fast. And they're not just unsightly creatures. Rats can also cause disease. But the city's losing the war against rats. That's according to a new joint investigation from the Better Government Association and Block Club Chicago. Illinois Answers Project reporter Casey Toner joins us now with more on this interlocking problem. Hey, Casey. Hi, how are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Also with us, Mina Bloom of Block Club Chicago. Hey, Mina. Hey, thanks for having me. And Rebecca Fife. She is the Director of Research at Landmark Press Solutions. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. Glad to be here. So before we get into the details of the investigation, I, I got to ask, what is the wildest story that you've heard about rats in Chicago in your reporting or maybe just personally from a family member or, or a friend? Mina, you first. We've heard a lot of wild stories. Um, I talked to one former super, uh, former ward superintendent who said that um, he's encountered people who kill rats for sport. <laughs> One guy said he killed more than 20 in a year, I think, through suffocation. That really struck me. Um, another story that made it into the piece, one couple, Scott and Emily in Humboldt Park, they were battling with rats for several months last year, and they actually had a rat's nest in back of their apartment building, and the rats were very obsessed with their car. Um, their car kept malfunctioning because the rats were chewing on their car wires. Mm things like that. And, and then one day, uh, Scott uh, got into the car and a, a rat like ran up his arm. Um, and oh, that, my goodness. That thoroughly grossed me out. Um, and uh, it's an experience that other people have had as well. That would be a wild story. Yeah. How about you, Casey? With a woman who said that, um, you know, she couldn't even enjoy wine in the backyard, um, you know, with her friend in the summertime last summer because of the sound of rating, uh, rats mating. Um, oh, and then, uh, <laughs> and more specific, uh, you know, <laughs> a little bit closer to home, one of my friends um, actually had a rat run across her foot in the parking lot of our building. Um, so oh. it's, they're, they're, oh, it's, it's a problem that hits close to home. Wow. Rebecca. What about you? I know you've heard some stories. I think the most surprising thing about rats is that um, people just assume that, you know, a 50-cent rat trap is the solution to rat problems. But we help so many clients who have to make major structural modifications to keep rats out of their uh, homes, like removing a wrought iron bathtub to fix an area of the slab where rats are coming through. There's actually breaks in sewer lines where rats can come through slabs if the penetration is too large around plumbing. And that's something we see every Every day. The most recent one had a $9,000 price tag on it. Wow. My goodness. Well, you know what? I got to reveal something. I am in the minority of people who live in Chicago because in my two and a half years here, I have not come across not even one rat. And wow. I, my team thinks I'm weird. <laughs> it just hasn't happened yeah, yet. That is shocking. I know, right? I literally, not, not even in passing, like I just have not laid eyes on one, but I, I'm knocking on all types of wood. But, but uh, you know, no one knows how many rats there actually are in Chicago, Casey. But, but we, ha- we have an idea that complaints have been up since the pandemic. How much? Well, last year, Chicagoans made more than 50,000 rat complaints uh, to the city of Chicago. And this is a slight decline from the prior two years. 
but this is still more than you know any other number of complaints going as far back as uh, 2010. Wow. Uh, early on in the pandemic, Rebecca, some experts were saying that people, maybe they were just home more and noticing the problem. Is that it? Or are, are there other factors that you would say contribute to the increased number of complaints? Our trapping data indicates that populations are actually higher. There are areas where we've been trapping for a decade and we're trapping more rats in those areas now. Oh, my goodness. So tell us about the department that's tasked with, with managing the problem, Casey. What, what's the role and, and its mandate? Well, the Bureau of Rodent Control is responsible in the city of Chicago for responding to these complaints. You put in the call saying that you see rats in your alley, and they'll come out, and they'll put some poison down. Um, you know, and that, that's basically what they're supposed to do. Um, but, you know, we kind of found that there's some shortcomings. It's understaffed, and it's it's well behind on, on responding to requests, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. Right now, they're down by uh, about a quarter of their employees since 2019. And, you know, they have this goal of, um, you know, responding to each complaint within five days. And we found that the median complaint in the past couple of years, you know, are kind of blowing past their own goalposts that they set. Yeah. Goodness. Mina, what did you hear from people about how long they waited to get a response and, and maybe the kind of toll that that took? Yeah. I mean, we, we heard from a lot of people that they would call 311 and um, either the city would never come out or they would come out many days later. And it was distressing. I mean, there's one woman who is in the story, Liz Murray. She had a rat infestation in her Ukrainian village apartment, which is just awful, like the worst thing you can imagine. Um, And she tried repeatedly to get help from the city and from her landlord and nothing worked. All of her calls were just ignored. Um, We, you know, we dug into her case and found that, yes, the, the city did not, Uh, did not do abatement in her building. Goodness. And your analysis found one neighborhood with the most complaints. That's clearing on the southwest side. I mean, this isn't restaurant row, but where overflowing dumpsters are usually, you know, the cause here. So what do you make of those findings, Casey? Well, one of the things that people told us out there was, you know, while they're kind of far away from, um, you know, the Lakeview area with, you know, high density and a lot of restaurants, what they have been dealing with out there is a lot of construction and a lot of demolition. Some of it's coming from Bedford Park, which the city has no control over, Um, you know, but they're also building some big projects out there. And one of the things that we talk about in our story is that, you know, when you demolish a building in the city of Chicago, you have to have proof that you have done road abatement before you get that permit. Um, but with a construction permit, you know, if you're building, you know, a huge new building or you're renovating a mm-hmm. big old building that has a ton of rats in it, you need to say that you've, you've, you've done this, but, you know, it only really matters if somebody asks for it. So you can start your construction. You can, you know, send a bunch of rodents scattering into people's neighborhoods and into people's houses, uh, but it only really matters if a city official asks them whether they've done it. Interesting. Your thoughts, Rebecca, on, I mean, were you surprised at all as to the Southwest side being? No, I'm not surprised about that. And I want to expound on what Casey said about the Chicago um, construction site rodent abatement ordinance, which requires pest control to be on site from when excavation begins until the site is restored to grade. 
I think that we really need to look at how many sites are in compliance because just from my own anecdotal experience, I would say that very few sites are in compliance because mm. when a site starts to have problems, like a neighbor makes an aldermanic complaint and that's the day that we get the phone call saying, help bring our site into compliance, uh, we'll ask you know, a lot of the construction firms, well, let's get all of your sites into compliance. How many projects do you have going right now? And they respond to us, oh, no, this is the only one that we have an aldermanic complaint at. The other one's seem fine. So they even let us know that that they're not in compliance. So I think that is kind of low-hanging fruit mm. um, that we can approach and get sites to, to comply proactively before there's a complaint. Yeah. So in an ideal world, what should happen during a new construction project? Well, if the ground is going to be disturbed um, with excavation, they need to have uh, pest control under contract, and uh, there need to be some standards attached to it. So when we provide construction site road and abatement compliance pest control, we visit weekly if there are known rats on the site. Monthly, if there aren't, we inspect the entire property by walking it, uh, bait all burrows, collapse the burrows that we bait, and um, keep above-ground tamper-resistant locking bait stations on the site to control any rats. So we're able to maintain completely rat-free construction sites, and some need it monthly, some need it weekly. So I think that, you know, if monthly abatement doesn't doesn't deliver a, a rat-free site, that it needs to be more frequent. And I think that that's, that the ordinance need to be, needs to be modified to have those standards stated in it. Yeah. And, and so we're clear, Casey, violators are fined for not following these protocols, but there's no enforcement, right? So, so these can just rack up? Yeah, what we found is that the city uh, has issued more than $156 million worth of rat-related tickets going back to 2019. Uh, and of that, $126 million is outstanding, meaning that people have paid. And, you know, we found in one instance uh, there's this North Suburban woman, Susie B. Wilson, who's managing dozens of companies. And these companies have been fined more than $15 million uh, for rat-related tickets in, you know, poor parts of the South and West Side. And, you know, these companies have paid uh, almost none of that back. And there's a there's a disconnect between who follows up on complaints and who writes tickets. Right. Right. Um, The way it works in the city of Chicago is if you put a complaint in, you know, rodent control will come out and they'll do their inspection and put some poison down. Right. But they're not the ones uh, who are writing tickets, despite seeing conditions that can greatly contribute to the rat population in Chicago. I mean, they're the ones that are going out to alleys, and they're the ones that are seeing, you know, dumpsters that are overflowing and, you know, rats that are in the dumpsters, uh, but they're not the ones who are writing tickets. For the most part, these are streets and sanitation officials who are hearing it from the ward office. So if you file a complaint with 311 and you think that this is going to be taken care of and that someone's going to be out there uh, bringing an offender into compliance, that's not what's really happening. I mean, so despite the fact that the the bureau is is the one, you know, they're the ones that are seeing the conditions firsthand, that job to write tickets is left to streets and sand. That's correct. What what do they say is the reason for this this disconnect? Um, they haven't really explained it. You know, we asked them, you know, but they basically said that this is, you know, pretty much uh, the way we do it. I mean, there's something to be said, I guess. You know, if you write the ticket, you have to, you know, know the law, yeah. certainly, and kind of understand what you're I doing. I would hope so. Uh, uh, but no one's kind of explained how exactly that works to us. No, Mina, the, this is even leading the city's inspector general to audit that department, right? 
That's right. The Inspector General's office, they launched an audit in January, and they said it was after they received multiple complaints about the efficiency and effectiveness of the city's rat abatement program. Um, essentially, you know, they've been hearing a lot about rat complaints in the city, and they want to figure out, you know, whether um, the Bureau's services are equitable and, and follow the best practices. So we'll see where that investigation heads. So, Rebecca, we're basically, I think, creating this buffet for rats with the way that we're disposing of garbage in our alleys because rats can essentially burrow inside of garbage bins, right? And, and the Bureau of Rodent Control actually increased its garbage cart replacement budget this year from $3.3 million to $4 million, which sounds like a lot, but is it enough? Well, rats can climb into carts really easily if the lids are open. Squirrels uh, like to chew through the lids. They can do that even better than rats. So they make the holes and then rats can have the access. And then garbage disposal that has nothing to do with the city that is private garbage disposal. A lot of times those are metal dumpsters and metal compactors. And those compactors are not designed to keep rats out in any way. So we have a lot of commercial clients and municipal clients um, and they're using compactors, and those are contributing to the rat issues as well. Yeah. So it's not just the plastic garbage carts that are um, affecting that. And there's a lot of things that are property that aren't garbage that rats also eat. Um, our pets, dogs especially, eat highly nutritious food. And when they um, go to the bathroom, that food is still highly nutritious. So rats can nourish themselves with pet waste if it's not picked up immediately um, when the dog goes to the bathroom. And and gardens are also uh, contributing to a lot of uh, waste that are plants, you know, and things that rats can eat, especially compost piles. Mm-hmm. We increasingly um, have Chicagoans who are raising chickens and doing backyard animal husbandry. And a lot of our, um, you know, most challenging residential accounts in the city of Chicago are people who are gardening and raising chickens. And I think those husbandry activities are wonderful and should be encouraged. But I think that those people need to take some additional steps like using above-ground composters on legs, Mm -hmm. the barrel style, rather than any compost that's in contact with the ground. And, um, you know, controlling what chicken feed, how chicken feed is stored, and even chicken droppings to help uh, alleviate rat issues. So, I mean, all around, including these folks that you're talking about now, it's a a question of, like, how we dispose of our waste and probably also needing better containers, right, and a better collection process. Yes. Yeah. Casey, other governments are contributing to this problem. How so? Uh, well, we found that, um, you know, the city, in addition to, you know, finding uh, landlords and companies and restaurants, you know, for creating, uh, you know, rat, uh, good conditions for rats, we also found that the city had fined uh, other governments, um, you know, within the city for the same thing. And these are um, you know, governments like the Chicago Housing Authority, which, you know, is not, you know, taking care of its trash, so trash is spilling out. Or uh, the Cook County Land Bank Authority, um, this government agency that is, you know, supposed to get gut properties and then put them back into to private hands. But, you know, there's junk left on the properties and rats like to live under the junk. Um, you know, but with the, the Chicago Housing Authority, one of the, the things that we found is that there is this um, – uh, building in the Rogers Park neighborhood, and there were 20 rat holes that were on the property. And, you know, these rat holes were discovered by the city in May. 
-hmm. And I reached out to them and, you know, by sometime in July, they told me that they had someone come and take care of it. You know, so this was a couple months delay in yeah. between when it was reported and when the city did something about this. And the residents there said that there were rats everywhere. Um, That's you know, not so it's a big time. problem. Yeah, for sure. Mina, what did you learn about how other cities are tackling this problem? Yeah, we learned a lot through this reporting process. Um, your listeners might be aware that New York City, they appointed their first ever rat czar earlier this year, right. um, which got a lot of press. And what they're doing is basically like they're coordinating with other city departments and rolling out new technology. They're increasing inspections. They have a dedicated team working on this. Um, and, uh, you know, the officials in New York City, they're saying that rat complaints are down. They were down 20 percent for part of the summer over last summer. So, mm. you know, we'll we'll see how that continues to, to play out. But it seems like things are that that dedicated team is is. Uh, is making a difference. And then we also looked at other smaller northeastern cities, um, Somerville, Massachusetts, Portland, Maine, Cambridge, Massachusetts, all these smaller cities, they're all using this new technology called smart boxes. And essentially, they're these devices that are specifically designed to electrocute rats and then send data to the, the municipality that's using them. And the cities that are using them say that they've been successful, not only at getting rid of rats, but also figuring out, you know, where to deploy the most resources. And those cities say, wow. look, we're going to ex keep expanding because we think these smart boxes are working out great. Goodness. Well, you have piloted, Rebecca, a pesticide-free rat trapping program at a rat-infested community garden. Tell us about that and, and why you see that it's a, an important strategy yes. in fighting rats. Absolutely. There's a, a wonderful organization called Neighbor Space that I'm very passionate about, and they're the only nonprofit urban land trust in Chicago that preserves and sustains gardens on behalf of dedicated community groups. And one of the gardens that they support is a wonderful community garden called El Yunque in Humboldt Park. And they approached me and let me know that this garden had a lot of rat burrows and that mm -hmm. people might even not want to participate because of the rat burrows, that they found them, you know, that annoying or unpleasant. That yeah, I mean, people are essentially going to be handling rat carcasses, right? Yes. And there are concerns about that. So, well, they, they didn't want to grow their vegetables there if they thought rats would be climbing around in them. So I volunteered to come on board on a pro bono basis as their scientific advisor, and I came up with a plan where they would use above-ground tamper-resistant locking bait stations that contain traps and that I would volunteer my company's time and efforts and machinery to do um, fumigation of the burrows to get a big head start where we would really knock down the population significantly. And with these two factors combined, as well as clearing items that could have been rat harborage that weren't needed, like boards and things that were laying there and changing the way they do composting, they have gone from being a garden that had rats to being a completely rat-free garden. And their approach has been pesticide-free, totally sustainable, and you know, in keeping with our environmental values. And I think think that this really demonstrates um, that 
people can take a really important role in, you know, whatever postage stamp size piece of the earth they're responsible for, for yeah. doing the rat mitigation on that property. I was really moved by Mina Bloom's reporting in her article, Why Chicago's Losing the War on Rats, when she talked about uh, the Weinbergers who didn't wait for the city to address their problem. And they trapped 45 rats over, I think, a five-month period in their backyard. Well, I'm reading all these things about, you know, smart boxes and cities investing hundreds of thousands of dollars to trap rats with hundreds of thousands of dollars across a city and, you know, only trap a thousand rats, whereas the Weinbergers trap 45 in their own yard. El Yunque cleared out their entire rat problem. So I think that we really need to think about what we can do in terms of public education and very simple equipment to empower people to trap and remove rats on their own properties. Yeah, no, uh, great joint reporting there by uh, Casey Toner and, and Mina Bloom. Casey, what will you all be following up with next? Uh, well, I think we're going to follow up uh, with the Inspector General's audit of the Rodent Control Program. I think Mina and I are, are very interested in that. Um, and I also have, you know, my eyes on following up what happens with, um, you know, these companies that are managed by Susie B. Wilson and the Chicago Transit Authority needing one of these properties for the Red Line Extension Project. And, and this company is, you know, in debt to the city of Chicago by a couple hundred thousand dollars. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of deal um, that, that she makes with the city going forward. We've been talking with Casey Toner of the Illinois Answers Project, Mina Bloom, investigative reporter for Block Club Chicago, and Rebecca Fife, director of research at Landmark Pest Management. Thank you all so much. We're back now with more Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're talking about the city's rat problem, why Chicago's losing the war on rats and how you can deal with them. Now, let's get some information on the rights that tenants have when rats are in the home. John Bartlett is executive director of the Metropolitan Tenants Organization and joins us now. Hey, John. Hi, how are you today? Doing well. Thank you so much for making the time. Uh, Tell us, how many complaints would you say that you get about rats on your tenant hotline? I would say we get, oh, anywhere from two to four a week. Two to four a week. How does that compare to complaints about other pests like roaches or bed bugs? Um, well, we probably get uh, more roaches. They're they're more prevalent. And uh, actually, bed bugs are starting to go down, so we're not getting as much of them as we have in the past. Well, thank goodness. <laughs> yes, I know. So, you know, you're getting roughly two to four to a week uh, as far as calls about rats. What are the stories that you're hearing? And furthermore, how rat problems are in- impacting folks' lives? Well, the, for one, we're, we're hearing that it seems like the rats are getting a little more aggressive, that they're running through people's bedrooms over the kids. You know, they're taking over stoves and everything else like that. So um, with the, the the stories we get are, are, you know, it's just like horrible that I, I just can't imagine. Every time I think of rats, I think, ah. Yes. And I, I, I Makes just, your skin crawl. I can't really <laughs> deal, deal with it. With rats are one of the things that just kind of like, uh, I, I just can't deal with them. Yeah. Well, what is the tenant responsible for when it comes to dealing with these pets? Pests. Well, <laughs> rather, the, not the pests. pests. <laughs> yes. They're uninvited guests, you know. But, so I, I would say that first off, what tenants need to do is contact their landlord right away and let them know there are rats in the unit. Because in, in reality, it is a problem 
generally with a first off the structure of the building rats don't just come knock on your door and say let me get in they're getting in through holes usually either in the foundation or up around the roof line or whatever like that that you know and it doesn't take much for them to give a, a teeny hole and they can get in so you know first you know these holes need to get plugged in the long run in order to keep rats from coming in mm-hmm. um I, I would say this after that you know i would try um also then even putting letters to the landlord to say that you know you're going to reduce the rent give them a 14 day notice cuz the the problem that we find with rats is usually they get in throughout the whole building or, yeah. or, or they can go from one unit to another. Right. And so they're the, in the hallways, they're, they're outside, they're in units, they're all over. Exactly. And then, you know, you can't just fix one unit. I mean, cause, and it seems like that's oftentimes the response of the landlord is, well, we're going to go bait and trap the, the rats in one unit and while well, the rats figure it out and then they go to the next unit or they mm-hmm. go to the basement, you know, they go somewhere where it's, um, they're, they're not going to get poisoned or, or, or whatever. So, um, really that what the tenants need to do is get together and get the landlord and the landlord really needs to exterminate the entire building. And then they need to plug the holes so that they can't get back in. Okay. Cause if you don't plug the holes, then they're going to just come back in in a little bit anyway and all that and the, the other thing you know is then just also keep on the landlord to uh, maintain the property though you know and and make sure there's just not um uh, food yeah items le- left around because certainly that uh you know th- that's what attracts the rats so so land- the- landlords are required to do follow-up services right it sounds like you yes. know, if that first the round's landlord- not successful Yes, the landlords are required. They're actually required to get rid of the pest. The building code says there are not supposed to be any rats in your building, in mm-hmm. in your unit. So they're required to get rid of them. Um, often, you know, the the other thing that a tenant can do is call three one one and request an inspection. Okay. From the city of Chicago, and they'll come in and look at the unit. You know, generally our experiences unless that it has to be a semi-bad problem in order for them to really uh, force landlord to do something. So there have been accounts of landlords offering to pay people to relocate rather than actually fixing the problem. Is that, is that common? I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily common, but it's oftentimes what happens is that tenants relocate because they're just sick and tired of having rats. Nobody wants to live with a rat in their unit, especially if you have kids. Uh, I mean, if you can imagine, you know, we've had parents talking about how rats are running over their kid's bed and, you know, and in the solution, their solution is generally to get out if they can, if they can at all afford to get out. And the problem though, that we've seen is that, you know, that landlords sometimes don't even fix things and they just rent it to somebody else. Yeah. Goodness. And if the tenant doesn't notice their rat droppings or whatever when they're in, and oftentimes, you know, the landlord will clean things up when they, you know, before some, they show the unit to somebody, so you don't know. And then you get in, and then you find out there's a problem. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the tips. That's John Bartlett, Executive Director 
of the Metropolitan Tenants Organization. We appreciate your time. Great. Can I say our, our uh, hotline number if people have sure. questions? Absolutely. It's uh, 773-292-4988. You know, we'll be glad to uh, help you out further with the, your rights if you have rats. Thank you so much, John. Issue. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. And we know rats can cause disease, but what kind of impact can rats have on people's mental health? Let's do a quick check-in now with Maureen Murray, who's a wildlife disease ecologist at Lincoln Park Zoo's Urban Wildlife Institute. Hi, Maureen. Hi, Sasha. Thanks for having me. So you're doing some research. You, you made a leap from studying diseases that rats carry to studying the effects that rats can have on people's mental health? <laughs> yeah, it is a bit interesting to do this kind of work at a zoo. So I've been leading the Chicago Rat Project for a few years, and we've been examining how people affect rats, you know, because we try to kill them all the time, but then also how rats affect people. And, of course, one of the ways is by transmitting diseases, and that's what the vast majority of research has focused on. But very, very little work has focused on what effects rats can have on mental health. So we teamed up with some social psychologists at other institutions like Johns Hopkins and University of British Columbia, and we use surveys and interviews to ask people about, you know, what are they experiencing with rats? What impacts does that have on their day-to-day life? Mm-hmm. And we used a standardized scale to look at depressive symptoms. So talk, talk more about what you're measuring then with these, uh, these surveys. Sure, yeah. So um, we did a survey across the city and in, in neighborhoods across an income gradient. And uh, we surveyed nearly 700 people and interviewed 50 of those people to understand their challenges in a bit more depth in terms of, uh, you know, barriers they're facing with rodent control or, you know, these stories you mentioned that can sometimes be quite traumatic of rat infestations in the walls, stopping people from sleeping, stuff like that. And so we wanted to measure mental health in a way that was standardized so we could compare people. So we used a standardized questionnaire called the Center for Epidemiologic Studies uh, Scale. And so if you have a higher score on that scale, that means that you have what's called high depressive symptoms. Mm. And so we looked to see whether people had higher scores if they saw rats in their home more frequently and any influence of income, age, gender, race, and if they're a renter versus an owner. And so, and so what did you find? And so we're excited about this because it's actually the first time anyone has measured the impact of rat infestations on mental health in sort of a general population. Like people have looked at it in like Brazilian slum communities or in unhoused populations mm-hmm. or drug users, things like that. But this is the first time in just sort of a large American city, what impacts are rats having on people's mental health? Yeah, this is this is fascinating stuff, Maureen. So I'm, I'm seeing here you, you found that people who saw rats daily – they were five times more likely to report depressive symptoms. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we're still finalizing the paper. We're hoping to publish it this winter. But yeah, based on our preliminary preliminary results, yeah, it's quite a big difference. Wow. And oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I'm still just in, in in awe here that of the, of the connection and the fact that you're making that with uh, with this research. Yeah, we asked a couple of follow-up questions just to get a little bit more in-depth beyond just this, like, one score. Like, what are some impacts that rats are having on day-to-day life? And the most common response, like, the majority of the respondents says that rats affect how they feel about where they live. Mm. And so we asked them to sort of explain in their own words. And typically they would mention things like feeling dirty or unclean, um, avoiding outdoor spaces like their patios or their yards. 
avoiding activities that they would otherwise enjoy, Mm -hmm. like gardening or feeding birds, and just wanting to move, like moving out of their house, moving out of their neighborhood, or even like leaving Chicago altogether. Which is so sad. You know, the thing about dealing with rats is, you know, it's not just your individual actions making a difference here, right? It really does depend on what your neighbors are also doing. Yes, absolutely. In our interviews, we really heard a lot of stories about neighbors. <laughs> I'd say like a decent chunk of all of those interviews. People pointing fingers. About, you know, all about what their neighbors were or perhaps were not doing. And so really it kind of shifted the way we thought about rats to, you know, who do you think is responsible to like, oh, it really takes a village. Like yeah. no one can really deal with this problem on their own. It really takes you know, like the neighbors on a block to band together and try yeah. to clean up their block. Of course, involve the city, hire professionals if you can afford it. But really, like it's a it's a really daunting challenge to take on. Folks helping each other for sure. That is urban <laughs> ecologist Maureen Murray from Lincoln Park Zoo. Thank you so much for joining us. We, we do definitely have to have you back once the research is published. All right. Thank you so much.